Hey folks, it's time for another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. This is episode number 37 and will be all about fine-tuning your arrow setup. But before we get to that, it's been two months since my last podcast and I have a lot of people sending me emails asking what's going on. And I have to tell you, it's been a rough road to say the least. But I'd like to thank all those listeners who did send me notes and emails, you know, asking if I was okay and if there's anything they can do. Without getting into too much detail, let me just say that sometimes life throws you curveballs. And you think everything is going just great and suddenly you find yourself asking what happened and how it all went bad so fast and how'd you get here. And it's really no easy thing to keep going with the podcasts and the website when all that is going wrong for you. But I actually considered not doing any of this stuff anymore. That's how wacky things got. And last night I was going through my emails and I get a lot of emails from people. And fortunately, I got an email from a 14-year-old listener. Her name is Cindy and she comes from Pennsylvania. She asked if everything was okay and she said she missed listening to my podcast because she would listen to it when she came home from summer camp. And she said it was like I was talking directly to her on my podcast. And since I had dropped off the map, she was really concerned. And a couple other things that she went into and that sort of thing. And it really touched me and it hit me hard and it made me get back to thinking about I got to find some way to get started again. No matter what, even if it's rough when I first start, I got to get back on the horse. So a big thank you to Cindy because were it not for her, I don't think I'd be able to keep doing this again. But knowing there's people out there who listen to the podcast and love what we do over here, it's kind of you know an inspiring thing, and that's that's why we keep doing it. Now enough of that, and we're going to get right to the subject matter of what this podcast is all about. And it's all about fine-tuning your arrows. It's September 9th, and we're right about to open on the hunting season. And when you go down to the range, you see a whole bunch of people down there, and they all are panicking because they want to get their rigs set up last minute to go into the woods. And oddly enough, arrow tuning is one of those things that's either completely obsessed about or that they don't care about which is weird and frankly i found that it's an all or nothing sort of thing when it comes to tuning their arrows for proper flight and that's what this podcast is going to be about as far as how to tune your arrow for proper flight now before anyone goes and thinks oh it's going to be a bow hunting podcast it's not because the tuning system that I use is applicable to both target shooters, recreational shooters, and hunters. And it should be done no matter what type of shooting you're doing. So that I want to I want to stress this that it's not a hunter only thing. This is an everybody thing. If you don't shoot a properly tuned arrow, you're not going to have success. Also, you're going to make it both frustrating and harder on yourself because if your arrow is properly tuned and you make that small mistake, it's not going to be as noticeable. But if your arrow is flying out of whack and you make even the smallest mistake, it'll be magnified a hundred times. And in the case of the hunters, 
because I am going to pick on them a little bit when it comes to this. When you strap a broadhead onto the front of your arrow, it's going to magnify how that arrow's flight really, really looks. So while you're shooting a field point and it's going down range and it's landing where, where you think it should be, many put on that broadhead, if everything is not going down the center of that shaft and properly pushing it out there, that broadhead on top of that arrow is going to wind up landing somewhere not even close to where you're aiming. And this is where people start to panic, and this is where they start to turn to mechanicals and the oh-my-God stuff coming up, and and what am I going to do? And those last-minute knocking on my door at 1130 at night saying, dude, i got to go on a hunting trip next week, and I can't get these these arrows flying right. Yeah, that's where it all comes from. So what I'm going to do is go through my system. It's very simple. You can do it indoors. You can do it outdoors. But before I even get to how you do this, okay, I want to stress one thing. A lot of times people say that they're not going to tune their arrows because it's a cheap arrow they bought at Walmart or somewhere else. Every arrow, whether it's a $5 arrow from Walmart or a $60 X10 that you got from the pro shop, deserves for you to take the time to tune it. Because if you don't, the only one who winds up paying for it in the long run is you. You'll pay for it with frustration. You'll pay for it with a loss of accuracy. And if you're a hunter, you'll pay for it by possibly wounding an animal or missing entirely. And honestly, I would rather have you miss entirely than wound something. But either way, whether it's a $5 or a $50 arrow, you should put the same effort into tuning it. And then the other story I hear is, well, I got my arrows from last year, and I don't have the money to buy new ones, or I don't have the time to buy new ones, and what am I going to try to tune them for? They're just going to do the same thing anyway. Well, If your bow was completely tuned last year, all good, more power to you. And if it's still shooting great now, more power to you. But the fact is, even if you have last year's arrow set up, and let's just say they were flying wacky last year, if you use this system to set them up the right way, and it doesn't mean cutting them or anything like that, because that's the other thing I hear. Well, i got to cut my arrows, and they're already cut. Well, guess what? If an arrow's too long, you can still tune it. If an arrow's too short... You can still tune it. There's other things you need to do to it slightly, but they can still be tuned. My students, the younger ones especially, I don't cut their shafts exactly to the rest. I cut it past the riser. Why? Because if they're new at this, if they make a mistake, I don't want them putting a broadhead through their hands. But that does not mean that they're Arrow is not tuned to shoot properly. If anything, when it's out of standard, meaning it's either too long or maybe a little bit too short, and when I say too short, it's got to be safe enough to shoot. If that arrow is way too short and just barely making it to the edge of that rest, then it's too short. Then you need a new arrow. So I'm not talking about that sort of short. If it's too long or maybe a little shorter than than it should be according to the spine charts, and don't get me started on that, but I will mention that later, then you can still tune it properly to fly. 
and this is how we're going to do it. So if you're writing stuff down, start writing now because you can write down the system and give it to all your friends. Yeah, I don't care what you do with it. It's all fine. The more people who know how to do this, they'll find that they can actually add little things to it or subtract little things for it. If it helps improve their arrow flight by 20 or 30%, you're in a heck of a better situation than you would have been without it. So where do we start? Like I said, outdoors or indoors, we need about 20 yards to do this. And before I start hearing the naysayers, no, if you don't have 20 yards, that does not mean that you can't do it. Let's just say you're in a basement or in a club that only has 15 yards or something like that. It has 10 yards. No matter what you got, you can do it. Take a little bit more time, but you can absolutely do it. Now, like I said, there's an indoor part of it and an outdoor part of it. It can be done either one, either way. Both parts can be done outdoors, but if you can do that, you have to do it on a day with very calm wind. So, where do we start? We start with the target. Now, first thing I'm going to say, because like I said, it started about the hunters, but then it has to do with everybody else. But I find this problem is more with the hunters. And the explanation I get from them is what they're doing is they put their target directly on the floor. Okay? So they put a little block target on the floor, and they're shooting downwards towards the target. And the explanation I always hear is, well, the deer is down there, so that's where I'm going to shoot the target. All right, if you're planning on only shooting bedded deer, which happens to be the same height as your block target, then more to power to you. Tune is still going to be off, but for the most part, most deer are standing, and that target would not be on the floor. So going into making the most efficient use of your testing and your tuning setup, what I would tell people is, Let's start with a level playing field. Level meaning shoulder level. So you take your target, and if you have a trash can or you have a ladder, you know, anything you got. One of those kitchen ladders, there's only like three steps. Set it on top of that. You try to get it to shoulder level if possible. Because if you don't have it to shoulder level and it's too high or it's too low, you're going to wind up putting artificial, artificial influence on it because most people tend to bend the wrong way or lower their arm when they're shooting at something low. And then when you shoot at something straight, they find, oh, why is my shot not going where it's supposed to be? But you put it right back down on the floor again, they shoot perfectly. So that's a result of setting it up the wrong way. And I would even say that when you're sighting in your bow, you should probably do the same way. But now you've got the target set up at shoulder level, 20 yards or whatever your distance is. Now, make sure that you are in a straight line to the target. I see this problem at the outdoor range all the time where someone puts a target out at 20 yards and they're standing like vertically from it. I mean, literally diagonal from it and it looks weird. Like you are not standing in a straight line. And the fact is that without a lane marked out, which you have in an indoor range, so it's easier to do in an indoor range, without a lane marked out, then what you need to do is you need to take a piece of rope and just drag that all the way back 
It measures out exactly 20 yards, whatever it is. But more importantly, it points you directly in front of the target and to the flat side of the target. It's very critical that you do this because the impact test that we're going to do has to do with it. And the other thing I need to mention is, if at all possible, you want to do this with a foam target. Bag targets will not work for this. And again, I've described parts of the process in a previous podcast, but bag targets are great. The problem with bag targets is they're stuffed with all kinds of things. And while you try, and I say try, to make the best out of them, when an arrow impacts, the stuffing can influence how the arrow is sticking out of the bag. Not necessarily how the arrow impacted in the first place. So we don't want any false positives for what we're going to be doing. So if you use a foam target, it's basically going to stick in the same direction it came in. So try to use a foam target if possible. Next, take a piece of tape. And you're going to place that piece of tape across the target level. And I see a lot of people doing this with like electrical tape. And I don't suggest that. I actually suggest using masking tape, even a thick masking tape, or a duct tape is the best if you can get the ones that come in colors. I don't suggest shooting at the silver one because I've seen people have some problems aiming at it, whatever. But if you have a colored one, duct tape, go right across the middle of the target. And if you have a square target and you're able to rotate it, you'll only have to put it on once and then you can rotate the target for part two of it. But that's the general idea. If not, you're going to take it off and put it back on. And the reason why I do that is because if you find yourself trying to focus on a very thin line, more than likely you're going to bounce up and down and freeze up or have some target panic or something else is going to go on. So we want to try to put a big fat line on there to make it as easy as possible. So step one, you've already set up your target. Now you're actually going to get to the shooting. So first let's try to figure out if your left and right is off. Now, how do we do that? Like I said, you're in a straight line to the target. You're going to shoot an arrow at the target. Now, if possible, especially for the hunters out there, do this with an unfletched arrow. But if fletched is all you got and you don't want to strip the veins off of one, so be it, you can still do it. Now, like I said, shoot your arrow at the target. Aim for the center of the line. That's why I put a line and not a dot or anything like that there. Aim for the center of the line. Fire an arrow. Do the same thing with about two or three arrows. Why do I say two or three arrows? Because for the life of me, I've seen people freaking out because they're shooting and it's not doing the same thing all the time. Well, guess what? Sometimes you have a bad arrow. If it's a cull arrow that's mixed up in there and you happen to be that's the only one that you're using for testing, imagine basing your whole tune on a bad arrow. So we use three, and if you use three or four, I try to use an odd number, then at least you'll see a group form. So now, like I said, you're shooting directly at the target, lined up with it, put your pin on the line, shoot. Shoot the group, 
If you have the, the bear shafts, like I said, shoot the bear shaft. Walk up to your target and look at how it impacts. If it impacts with the tail one way, say to the right, well, let's backtrack and look at how our rest is. So if it comes out of the rest with the rest too far to the left for a right-handed shooter, then it will come out and impact with the tail to the left. So how do we fix that? We move the rest to the right, closer to the riser. And you don't do it in big increments. You do it a little bit at a time. Because believe it or not, if you make a big incremental change, it could make it point the other way. Do a little bit at a time. Sometimes it only takes a paper-thin movement to make the change that you need. Now, if you see something really huge and wacky as far as it's pointing so far out to the left, then I say you're going to have to move it more. But you keep on adjusting it till it's relatively straight into the target. Now you've got a straight left and right for your center shot. And again, this is not how we finish fine-tuning it, but this is going to get you started. Then take the target and turn it sideways so that the line is now going across for up and down shots. Uh, I keep yawning, I'm sorry. Uh, Anyway, now I told you it was hard to get back on track. Now you're going to shoot again, and you're going to see how the tail of the arrow impacts if it's impacting up or down. Again, you're just dropping your pin on the center of that line, which is now going across. Fire. And watch. If it's up, that means one of two things. That means that your your rest is down too far so that the arrow is leaving with a tail-up position. And it's going to impact with a tail-up position. You can fix that by just moving the rest up a little bit. Like I said, a little bit can do a lot. Shoot the group again and see if they're all impacting now straight. Now, sometimes it's going to be an issue where you find that no matter how much you move it, and you actually move it past the burger button, that it still impacts the same way. If that's the case, then more than likely, your knocking point is too high and you have to adjust it. And you just do the reverse for for a downward tail. So now we've adjusted left and right, up and down. What does that all mean? Well, like I said, this is for both target and hunters, but especially for the hunters. Now your arrow is not leaving with any influence which is uneven. All of the force is being directed to the center of the arrow in a straight line. What that means is the arrow is going to launch straight. If you have a broad head on it, which you should be doing the bear shaft tuning with it anyway, but like I said, sometimes people short on time, but they don't have the, the extra shaft to spare. Do it like this. It's better than not doing anything at all. It will make certain things evident. The reason people use bear shafts, and I've described this before, but I'll I'll just go into it very briefly, is because veins and feathers correct your arrow flight. What you really want to try to find out is what does that arrow do when it has no corrective measures on it at all? 
that's the truest naked flight to it. So that's why you shoot the bear shafts. But again, if you don't have a bear shaft, it's not a big deal. This will get you in the right place. Now we've got our arrow flying straight out of the bow. And you'll find that you can do this with an underspined and overspined arrow. It doesn't make a difference. That does not mean go shooting a 500 spine arrow out of a 70 pound bow. We're talking about within reason. But again, if you're shooting in a straight line, if the force is in a straight line, the arrow is going to fly better than if it's not. And that's all we're looking for here. And I think that if you get that going, then hunters will find that their broadheads fly much better. And target shooters or recreational shooters, whatever you're doing, you'll find that your groups are tighter because now there's no random air action on the arrow because it happens to be flying sideways. Now, remember, I said that there was a part two which should be down outdoors. If you're only shooting 20 yards for indoors, the outdoor part of this is not necessary. But if you're a hunter or you're an outdoor target shooter, then the outdoor part on a calm day when there's not crazy wind, I mean, light to no wind is the max you can do this in, then you need to do the outdoor portion of this. What the outdoor portion is, it's very simple. It's an additional fine tuning. Now, people call it French tuning. People call it walk-back tuning. I think there's 22 million videos on YouTube about it where they call it different things, and everybody's got their own different style of doing it. My style is kind of like the John Dudley style. I differ a little bit, but what he does is he puts a target right up in front of him, and he shoots it with his 50-yard pin. Um. Not everyone has a 50-yard pin. So take your target, put it in front of you at about four to five yards. Shoot your 20-yard pin at it. It's going to wind up going high, okay? Now, the reason why I say start at five yards is because some people don't have the ability to shoot out to 40 and 50 yards. So then the, the, the common wisdom for people who do this walk-back tuning, as I call it, They'll set their target there, and then they'll set it at 50 or whatever and see if there's a difference in how it falls. If you don't know how to shoot 50 yards, that does not mean you should be doing this and does not mean you should not be doing it. We're going to start at 5. Make sure it's hitting in the center. Okay, You sight it in. It's good. Push it out to 20. Aim at the same exact line on the target and see if the arrow drops in a straight line now you shot it at five yards with your 20 yard pin that arrow should have impacted high when you push it out to 20 it should either impact exactly on the line or maybe a little above it or maybe a little bit below it that'd make a difference but the one thing it should not do is impact to the left or to the right as it falls at further distance now you can further test it by moving it out to, say, 30 yards if you have that ability to shoot 30 yards. Again, shooting the same exact spot with the same exact pin. 20-yard pin is still being used. And see where it drops. Is it dropping to the left? Or is it dropping to the right? Or is it dropping in the center? If it's dropping in the center, you keep pushing it out until it's not doing it anymore. And it's moving to one side or the other. 
and then you can fine-tune if needed. But let's just say that you move it to 30 yards and it's dropping an inch to the left. Well, that means that your rest just needs a slight, slight correction because it's too far out, so you can move it closer to the riser. And you do the reverse if it's hitting to the right. And that's it. Now, there's some people, myself included, who will do this at longer and longer ranges. I'll do it at like 60 or 70 yards until I get it exactly right. For my long-distance rig, I'll do it at 90 yards. And there's little changes you can make, but I mean, at that distance, even at 30 yards, a paper-thin change in the rest position will impact it greatly. So like I said, I would take a photo of where the rest is, especially if it's got those little micro marks on it, so you can put it back in case you overly screw it up. Because some people can move it too far, you want to know where you were. Once you've achieved this, you will have zeroed in the rest. Now, one important step is, if you move the rest at all, bring it back to five yards, recite in at five yards so you get it in the middle, then... Like I said, repeat it going out there and see if it's drifting from one side to the other. Because if you don't recite in, your result's going to be all skewed. It's not going to work. And a lot of people forget to mention that, but you have to recite in every time you make that little rest correction because the way that the arrow is being influenced leaving the bow, even if you move it by a hair on that rest, it's going to change your impact point. So you want to make sure that you're seeing impact, which is a direct result of a rest. Issue and not from your sighting issue. And lastly, the other thing I'm going to mention about this is if you have a multi-pin sight, and people, I've seen this too many times. Square your bow up, put a put a you know a level, one of those long construction levels next to your bow, and then stick that another construction level, a small one, torpedo level, whatever you got. Line it up with your sight pins. And tell me if your sight pins are level. Because even on a cheap sight, if your sight pins are not level, meaning in a straight line, one on top of the other, what will happen is, say that that second axis is off a little bit, and some bows don't have, some sights don't have a second axis adjustment. But if the second axis is off, you know what's going to happen. At 20 yards, you're cool. But at 30 and 40, if you say, if, and 50 if you have three or four pins, whatever it is you got. If that sight is not straight, that will automatically throw your shots off to the left or to the right. So if it's twisted so that the sight, the second axis is up, as you get further out, it's going to shoot them off to the left. If it's second axis is down, it's going to shoot them off to the right. And you could be driving yourself absolutely crazy trying to figure out your center shot and all that when the dis- the difference happens to be your sight's crooked. So I would say check your sight first before you do anything if you're shooting a multi-pin. A single pin doesn't make a difference, especially if it's not a dot on a scope. It's not going to make a difference. So that's what's up with that. And that's a very simple system to use. And I think that if everyone put that into play, they'd be a lot happier with the end result of what they get and be less frustrated. And actually, when it comes to the hunters, they probably would lean more towards shooting a fixed blade broadhead than shooting mechanicals. Some people only shoot mechanicals because they can't, they're afraid that they can't get a regular broadhead to fly. A fixed blade, anyway. But the fact is, 
if you're bow shooting crooked, even a mechanical is going to go to the wrong place. Some of them are longer than field points. Some of them are wider than field points. It all varies. So you have to start out with a solid base, a well-tuned arrow where your center shot and your elevation are not an issue. So that'll do it for this part of the podcast. And we're going to go into our listener questions section now. And I've got only two questions today. Uh, The first one comes from Mark H. from Miami, Florida. And he writes, Hey, Coach, hope all is well. I broke out my indoor bow, which is super focused this week, and it just isn't right. It was a tack driver when I last shot it in April, but now I can't get a solid group with it. It feels sloppy on the back wall, and I keep getting high and low misses. I've been shooting my hunting bow great, but now I can't figure out what's going on. Please help. All right. This can be a number of different things. The fact that he says it feels sloppy on the back wall, now I start to ask, where was this bow being stored? Let's just say that it was being stored somewhere with the high heat. You're in Miami. Um, the, the strings can elongate. Your cables can elongate from exposure to heat. The limbs can get damaged like that. You have to be very careful. That's why I say make sure your bow's in air-conditioned or room temperature, but don't let it get it up into the 90s and all that because it'll cook it. But because he's saying that the back wall is sloppy, that tends to make me think when it gets spongy like that, because he's shooting a super focus, which is a dual cam system, twin cams. And when you have a cam that's out of time, you're going to pull back to a stop. And then if you pull more, it, it feels like you can roll back a little bit more. What you're really doing is rolling one of the one either the top or the bottom cam a little bit more because they're out of time. So that gives it that squishing feeling instead of a solid back wall. So in his case, I would check the tuning first to see if the timing on that bow is off. Nine out of ten times, that's what's going to do it. So all you do is check your specs, make sure everything is good to go, and it shouldn't be a problem. However, he mentioned he was getting high and low misses and that he was shooting his hunting bow. Now, target bows generally are 50 to 60 pounds at max. Some people shoot 70 pounds for 3D, whatever. But he says he's been shooting his hunting bow. Let's just say, and I don't know, but there's scenarios where people are shooting their hunting bows and then they go to shoot their target bows and they're all over the place. The reason being is that, in general, you're shooting a much lower weight on your hunting bow, on your target bow, should I say, than you are on your hunting bow. So when you're not being challenged as much, you tend to get sloppy. Tend to let off the back wall a little bit. You're not holding as hard because you just can't. You have no need to. You think, oh, I got this, whatever. And you don't feel yourself slipping. You're used to holding a bow that's a lot more weight as far as on the draw. So that's a transition some people have. That usually goes away after a couple days to a week. But in his case, it sounds like like a timing issue, so I would just check that. So, Mark, check the timing on the bow at the shop. See if anything's going on with it. If you can't get to a shop or you can't figure out how to do that, just drop me another email. I'll send you my explanation on how to check the timing if you don't have a, uh, a drawboard. And our second question comes from Gabe D. from Omaha, Nebraska. He writes, long time no here. 
I listen to your podcast with my students before practices, and it helps them get focused and really encourages them. Hope, hope you get going soon. I have a 10-year-old transitioning from NASP, which is uh, natural archery, National Archery in the Schools program. They shoot, uh, they all shoot the same bow. It's a Genesis bow and has no sights or anything like that on it. And she's transitioning from NASP to JOAD, which is a target bow. She was doing great, but her parents set her up with a brand-new target bow, a PSE laser, and she just can't get a consistent group. It's really discouraging her, and she's at the point where she wants to quit. Hopefully you can give us some advice, and I really want to keep this young lady shooting, but it's really tough without success. So when I read this, and I got this one last night also, I think it was uh, 9.30 I was reading this. I actually emailed, asked for a number to call them back. They sent me their number, and I called them. And I actually got to speak to, to the young lady. Her name was Maddie. Now, the one problem that Maddie had that she told me, she's like, well, she, when she was shooting her NASPO, she could get back and she could shoot. And, you know, she felt very comfortable with her elbow in the rear. And she told me that when she switched to a, a fixed bow or a bow with a set draw length, that her elbow didn't feel the same. So I asked her, I said, do you have your bow near you? And she said, yes. They were all in a practice session at the time. Got lucky because I happened to get them at the same time. And I asked her coach to look at her rear elbow and where it was. And there were two problems. One, timing on the bow was off. That doesn't mean it came like that from the factory. It just means that maybe from when they were setting it up for her, somebody put um, a module in the wrong place, the wrong letter. So one cam is on one letter, one cam was on the other, which in this case it turned out to be. And also, her elbow was almost chicken-winged out, he told me. So meaning it wasn't in line. Now, when you're shooting NASP, good form is everything. But because of the fact that you have a universal draw, meaning you can go longer or shorter, and it's really up to the user, they can settle in. When you go to a static draw bow, like normal compounds, you don't have that luxury. Compound that with having one draw stop set in the wrong place for the draw length, because PSC bows have a a draw marker on the top cam as well as on the bottom, and you can always accidentally put one on one setting one on the other. The bow will be sloppy, squishy, and it'll feel strange. Now, admittedly, her coach is not a tech. He doesn't know about this. Or knows very little. So when they set up the bow for her in the shop, this is the way that she brought it. I walked him through setting the setting that up, just move it move the pegs to match. And actually she needed to be increased about a half an inch. I'm happy to say that when she drew back that bow, it felt completely different. See, young people when they shoot, and this goes for anyone, what'll happen is if they strain anything, if something is not completely comfortable. It's not necessarily a case of this was new to her, but she had gone to shooting a new type of bow, so she didn't know what was supposed to be, feel comfortable in the first place, and she thought that this is just the way these bows feel. It's not. So when you're not used to shooting something like that, you're going to think that that's just it. I don't want to do this. 
And also, when her elbow was out of line, it was causing a lot of undue stress on the inner elbow and the joints. And she was starting to hurt, but she didn't want to tell him that she was hurting. So, yeah, like anybody else, if I was forced to do something like this and he wasn't forcing her, it's just that that's the way it was set up. And she was trying to force herself to shoot as best as she can, but she was getting frustrated and, frankly, was hurting her. But I got to give it to Gabe because he actually had the wherewithal to say, hey, something's not right. You know, what do you think is wrong? And ask me about it. And I was happy I could help them. So bottom line, what we should probably take from this particular listener's email is that if something doesn't feel right when you're shooting, then maybe you should have somebody look at it. And if everyone in the place is saying, oh, no, it's just you, whatever, get another opinion. And if that doesn't work, email me. I'll help you. So now we've come to that portion of the show that everyone waits for, the don't be that guy. And like I said, I'm trying to get back on track, but I'm going to try to do this as, you know, as calmly as possible, though with some subjects, you know, I completely go off and lose it. I don't think I'll lose it on this one, but I'll try my best. Anyway, you know, it, it simply amazes me when people spend a lot of money on their rigs, be they target or hunting, doesn't make a difference. Uh, talking about target shooters and, and hunters alike. And then they cheap out and buy absolute garbage in accessories or in broadheads. So I'll give you an example. Guy goes out and he spends $2,000 on a brand new carbon bow. Okay. He even splurges on the arrows and buys, you know, a dozen arrows cost him 200 bucks. Top of the line arrows. And this guy's a hunter. And then he goes and buys a $30 pack of broadheads. And then they wonder why it doesn't perform right. Okay. And strangely enough, they blame everybody else but them. So this week's Don't Be That Guy goes out to people who spend so much money on their stuff. And then when it comes down to it, instead of being even and level-headed with the whole thing, they wind up cheaping out. And then the worst part of it, and this is where the don't be that guy, don't be that guy who blames the bow's lack of performance or something going wrong on everybody else but you. Because in this case, it may not even be that you screwed up and you make a bad shot. No. What it is is that you screwed up because you think, oh, well, I better get this, this, and this. And then when it comes to the most important part, in the case of a hunter, the broadheads, or in case of a target shooter, oh, yeah, I've got a $2,500 bow. But guess what? My rest is a $30 rest that I, that, I, that I put on there. Okay. The bow will only perform if everything that on it that happens to be installed on it is in harmony. And if you put something on a bow that is substandard, it won't necessarily be able to handle the load coming through that bow. If you put a cheap broadhead on an expensive arrow, that entire system will perform like a cheap arrow. 
So it drives me crazy when I see people do this and then come complaining to the shop and saying, this is not right, something's wrong. And then I look at them and I'm like, you're right. It's not, it's not right. This is wrong. So don't be that guy who instead of saying, let me spend equally on things, and that doesn't mean that if you don't want to spend all this money and everything, spend a little less on the bow. Spend a little bit more on your accessories, on your arrows, on your components. Don't be that guy who goes and blames everybody else because you made a bad decision when it came to what you were putting together. If you do everything with a level head and with some common sense, which is missing from the majority of people these days, hate to say it, then what do you expect? And the one thing that you don't want to do and you should not be doing is blaming everybody else for something that you did. And that'll do it for my don't be that guy rant. It wasn't that bad. I didn't huff and I didn't puff. And this is a relatively short podcast. Like I said, I'm trying to get back on track here. And I'll also try to produce a few more episodes this week. And with any luck, we're going to soon get back to doing a podcast a week like we used to. The YouTube videos will be along soon. Uh, Starting production on that sort of thing as far as what I actually want to put into the content. If you guys want to see something on a YouTube video, please email me and we'll do that. We'll put something together. Right now, I'm just doing all the basic stuff because, frankly, I can't think of anything else to put in there. But if you want to see something or you have a particular issue that you need solved and you'd like to see how I do it in my shop, that sort of thing, I'd be happy to put a video together for you. Just reach out and let me know. So it's good to be back. Like I said, it will not be another two months before you hear from me again. May even have, like I said, another podcast or two this week. We're going to try our best for that. YouTube's coming. We're trying to get back to doing this the way it should have been done. So I thank you for continuing to listen. As always, you can reach out to us at highpowerarchery.com. You can email us at highpowerarchery at gmail.com. Be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to find our channel on YouTube, which is High Power Archery, and subscribe there. This way you can stay informed of all the new videos that we're going to start to pop in there. And there will be videos popping in this week. So, like I always say, it's never goodbye. It's until we meet again. Until then, stay safe and shoot straight. And again, people, thanks for listening.